Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 598. What do the following three things have in common? Bird brain, space cadet, and airhead. Well, they're all terms that could be often applied when describing your humble host here on Talking Birds. The latest example, last week we announced Wisconsin as a bonus prize state in our mystery bird contest, meaning that if you phoned in as the first caller from Wisconsin, you'd win our bonus prize, a pair of Celestron binoculars. Well, by the time Chuck called in from somewhere in Wisconsin on the mystery bird contest, your host had forgotten that Wisconsin was our bonus prize state, is what happened there, and failed to acknowledge Chuck. So, Chuck, we hope you're listening this morning, and if you are, please call us. Tell us all is forgiven, and let us send you those beautiful binocs from Celestron. And I haven't forgotten to give the number. It's 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. All right, give a listen to this bird. It's the white wagtail. That's right, the white wagtail, a bird that breeds in Eurasia in the mountains of Morocco and western Alaska and winters in tropical and subtropical Africa and southeast Asia. But this week is being seen by hundreds of observers, mostly at a place called Great Boar's Head in Northampton, New Hampshire. It's a well-named bird, at least for the wagtail part, it almost seems like a wind-up toy, wagging its long tail up and down constantly and energetically. It's a mostly gray and white bird, gray on the back and wings, white underparts, and a white face with a black hood and a black throat and black on that wagging tail. Quite an unmistakable and striking bird. If you're anywhere near New Hampshire, you might want to head up there. The bird was still being seen as of uh, yesterday. November 5th. Right, true or false, there is a bird that can remain airborne for 10 straight months. Well, as the political fact-checkers might say, that's mostly true. The bird is the common swift, a close relative of our chimney swift of North America, but it breeds mostly in Europe and Asia and winters in southern Africa. For a long time, scientists have suspected that these birds remain airborne for long periods of time during migration. And researchers in Sweden have uncovered information that seems to confirm this theory. What they did was they attached data loggers to 19 of the birds and subsequently learned that they spend virtually all of their 10-month non-breeding period in the air. They also found out that one of the birds had stopped for just four nights in the entire month of February of 2013. But that's nothing. That same bird then stopped during the following February for a total of just two hours. Two hours in the entire month. 
So how do they sleep? Well, it's long been thought that they're able to do this in little tiny bits of time while flying. But scientists in this latest study now say it's unclear when and to what extent swifts need to sleep. Meanwhile, it's known that the common swift migrates in the fall from Europe and Asia to sub-Saharan Africa. But there's no evidence that they ever land there. Researchers say they've yet to find a roosting site anywhere in southern Africa. So pretty amazing new research there about the common swift, the bird that doesn't seem to need to land to, to feed or to mate or even to sleep. Pretty amazing stuff. Extra, extra, read all about it. Well, here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. How to keep buildings from killing hundreds of millions of birds per year. A New York architect has some answers. You can find that story on our Facebook page. And by the way, that architect will soon be our guest here on a Talking Birds show. Out in Colorado, there's some good news about bison conservation. We'll link you to the story of how some folks are helping to return this iconic species to its native landscape. And guess who's helping to save rare plant species? Fruit-eating birds, that's who. Find out more about that on our page. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Let us send them some little cards to hand out to friends and associates. Oh, I see. My mic wasn't on. Okay, that explains that there. Anyway, that's our fanfare for our first group of Talking Birds ambassadors. So we want to say great thanks to Dick and Jerry and Donna and David and Judy here in Massachusetts and Paul in West Virginia, Sam in Michigan, Dave in New Hampshire. Anthony in Oklahoma, Bob in Rhode Island, Joe in Virginia, Cindy in New York, Chuck in Illinois, Tom in Illinois, Seth in Maine, and Sandra in Florida. That's our sweet 16 list of Talking Birds ambassadors. And now, thanks to Matt in Ohio and Mary on Cape Cod, uh, we have what we might call the Elite 18. So thanks so much, Talking Birds ambassadors. Now, if you'd like to become an ambassador, just visit TalkingBirds.com and click on the contact button. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. We'll send you some cards. You hand them out to your friends. No heavy lifting involved. Just click that contact button at TalkingBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man, Mike O'Connor. He'll be here talking about blue jays getting ready for winter. Those birds we, many people, kind of love or hate or sometimes uh, both. Uh, we'll also revisit our friend Matt Young from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, who'll wow us with details about the world's largest depository of nature sounds from all over the world. And up next, a western bird that we talked about last week with Dr. Ross Hawkins out in Sedona, California, a bird that was sighted again here in New England this past week in Portland, Maine. 
It's today's featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, We care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. And that's the bell. Rick Warren and Geraldine come charging out of their corners to begin round five, and the punches are already flying. Warren delivers a clean uppercut into ocean. The Cornell Lab of Ornithology's All About Birds site describes the Rufus hummingbird as the feistiest hummingbird in North America. Well, I'm a hummingbird. Coming around your door. Calling the brilliant orange male and the green and orange female Rufus hummingbird relentless attackers at flowers and feeders going after, if not always defeating, even the large hummingbirds of the Southwest which can be double their weight. This smallish hummer has a slender, nearly straight bill, a tail that tapers to a point when folded, and fairly short wings that don't reach the end of the tail when the bird is perched. The male Rufus hummingbird has been described as glowing like coals in good light, with a bright orange back and belly, and an iridescent red throat. The females are green above, with a Rufus or reddish-brown hue on the flanks and in patches on the green tail and sometimes on the throat. As we learned on last week's Talking Birds show, Rufus hummingbirds range widely, with a few even heading east instead of south, all the way to places like southern Canada, New England, and the Atlantic coast states every autumn, and in increasing numbers each year. And they breed farther north than any other hummingbird. Rufus hummers are found in California in the spring, in the Pacific Northwest and Alaska in the summer, and in the Rocky Mountains in the fall, before heading, mostly, to Mexico for the winter, making one of the longest migratory journeys of any bird in the world, as measured by body size. At just over three inches long, it's roughly 3,900-mile one-way trip from Alaska to Mexico is equivalent to more than 78 million body lengths. Like most other hummingbirds, Rufus hummers beat their wings incredibly fast to be able to hover in place. Their wing beat frequency has been measured at up to 62 wing beats per second. That's pretty fast. And that's the Rufus hummingbird, Salaphorus Rufus. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us on our show number 598. Before we introduce our uh, revisit to a special guest, we want to say hello to a very special caller. It's Chuck in Wisconsin. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Well, thank you, uh, Chuck. Thank you for forgiving us. I think you have because you called back because we forgot to uh, award you your binoculars last week. So thank you for that. And congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> and you're in Pickett, Wisconsin, it says here. Where is that? It's about 60 miles southwest of Green Bay. It's in east central Wisconsin. All right. I can tell you're from Wisconsin if you say Green Bay. That's a, <laughs> that's a classic accent up there, if you don't mind my saying so. <laughs> pretty distinctive, I agree. All right. Well, we have your address, so we'll send those out to you, Chuck. And thank you again for uh, checking back with us. 
Okay, I just wanted to tell you, Ray, that my wife found your show several years ago, and every Sunday morning, that's what we do. We listen to your show, and we truly enjoy it. So well, thank you. That is lovely. Thank you very much, Chuck. Okay. All right. Chuck up there in Pickett, Wisconsin, our winner, (laughs) slightly delayed, uh, of our bonus prize steak contest here from last week's Mystery Bird Contest here on Talking Birds. Well, Matt Young is collections management leader for Cornell Lab's Macaulay Library, the world's largest archive of animal sounds, including birds, of course. And he's with us on the phone right now. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. So, Matt, the Macaulay Library, how big is it? <laughs> and what's uh, its primary purpose? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we have about 175,000 audio files and mm. 50,000 video files that you can listen online. Mm. And uh, so there's a lot of different ways you can use it. A lot of you researchers will request sounds from the archive uh, for research projects. There's also educators. Uh, science museums will request sounds to, for like exhibits that they'll be putting together, and we actually do also provide sounds uh, for commercial uses as well. Sometimes there's TV shows or Hollywood movies, and then the birding apps. There's a lot of all a lot of the sounds that are in the birding apps actually come from the Macaulay Library. And about the movies, I think we talked about this off the air a few days ago about the fact that uh, I guess movies used to rely on the sound of a red-tailed hawk for. To represent uh, any bird, because it's kind of a <laughs> cool-sounding hawk, but you've uh, you've helped them progress beyond that. Am I right? Yeah, that is that is absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, at times in the past, you would occasionally hear or see bald eagle in a clip on TV, and you'd hear this dramatic cheer from a red-tailed <laughs> hawk in the background. Um, so, what? yeah. How do you help them with that? In other words, how, how how do you give them sounds that sound maybe as good as that or sound the way well, they like just, it to you sound? You just give them, you try to work with them and give them the accurate, you know, mm-hmm. recording or accurate species mm-hmm. uh, so they match. You know, you don't want people putting out uh, productions and they're putting in the wrong birds for that. So mm-hmm. just you want to keep that accurate. I think that's the best way to approach it. So how are the sounds collected? There must be many different methods. You're going out, uh, I guess, out to sea. You're going on lakes and rivers, out in the fields, all over. Yeah, all over North America, we collect recordings. A lot of times they're from citizen science, uh, you know, literally people doing this on their own time. Um, But the main things you want to keep in mind, and getting a recording can be very, very tricky. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of things that you wouldn't even normally think of, but... You know, ideally, you want a species uh, in mind, a goal of some sort. Uh, work, working equipment, you always want to check the equipment because I think every one of us have made the mistake of getting in the field and not having batteries or not having the, you know, everything charged up. But uh, the main thing is uh, you, know, you need a cooperative bird. You need uh, good environmental conditions because you don't want a lot of wind or rain. It's just not going to make uh, for a good recording. The thing that's the most frustrating is, you know, you can have a cooperative bird, you can have everything working properly, you can have good environmental conditions, and then five miles away you'll hear a dump, you know, a, a backloader <laughs> with the beep going on at a dump five miles away, and that'll pick up uh, on the uh, microphone. You'll pick that up. Not not what you want to have in that recording necessarily. No, that is, that is absolutely correct. You want to make sure you have the cleanest recording as possible. 
How many birds have you recorded? What's the percentage of the birds that uh, are known to exist? I guess there are, a, what are about, we're talking worldwide, about 10,000 species, uh, if I have that right. And how many of you? That is correct. And, and I believe, and you know, don't quote me on this one, I think we're around 7,500, 8,000 uh, species, but I'm not positive on that one. We do have uh, just about everything in North America, and our collection is focused on North America. Okay, and what's the percentage of North American birds that you have? Uh, it's it's very high. It's ninety five percent. I mean, mm-hmm. when you get into some of the vagrants, it can get a little trickier. Mm-hmm. Uh, species that don't, you know, it might, might be less than five recordings for all of, or five records for all of North America. How about some birds that are still elusive that you just can't seem to get? Are there some like that high on your list? Yeah, there are. There, are, uh, in fact, we have a. Uh, at our website, macaulaylibrary.org, uh, we actually have an audio most wanted uh, list. And a lot of the species are ones that are just very hard to get to. They might be in Alaska or in the Arctic, mm-hmm. uh, or they're birds that nest on cliffs. Um, some of them actually are also species that you don't, they're not high on the priority list as far as getting an audio recording because they're not necessarily identified uh, that commonly through vocalization. So mm-hmm. McKay's bunning is one that nests off the coast of Alaska. Uh, it's kind of uh, a sister species of uh, snow bunting. And then uh, species like uh, Iceland gull is another one that's nests in the high Arctic. It's hard to get to it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't necessarily uh, identify gulls by vocalizations. Right. And so, then, like, uh, eiders and scoters, they're, again, Arctic breeding, uh, ducks, sea ducks. Mm-hmm. Just very difficult to get to. A lot of tough conditions, a lot of traveling involved there. Uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> correct, yeah. Well, you yeah. talked about professionals and uh, researchers and stuff using this sound, but the public can do it, too. And you mentioned the website, but is that a complicated procedure for anybody to listen to these sounds? No, all you have to do is go to MacaulayLibrary.org, and there's actually, on, on that landing page, there's a search bar, mm-hmm. and you can put a species in there and actually uh, do the search. And what you'll get is the results page of all the recordings we have in the collection. So it's very easy. And then there's an order form tab. If you want to actually request uh, sounds, we can do that through an order form online. Hmm. Uh, I get a lot of, again, I, I even get uh, a lot of requests from uh, just teachers wanting sounds for their presentations to teach kids about bird sounds. Sure. Well, we don't have time to listen to all of the <laughs> bird recordings in the library, but uh, we have time for one. Could you describe the one, Matt, that we're about to hear? Yes, this is a uh, Laysan albatross, and uh, I've always liked it because it sounds like World War II fighters. Uh, the b- bird is actually making this kind of machine gunny sound by clicking its bill. We've shortened this a little bit, but you'll kind of hear what you would hear if you went to the site, including the little narrative introduction here. Here it is. LNS catalog number 959. Pretty interesting sound. <laughs> we even had a little cow effect at the end there, so it sounded like maybe a pileated woodpecker and a World War II machine gun and a, a bovine. 
Yes, all, yes, that's correct. <laughs> all in one, one bird. Amazing stuff from the Macaulay Library. Matt Young is collections management leader at the Macaulay Library, the world's largest archive of animal sounds. Give that website again one more time, if you would, Matt. It's macaulaylibrary.org. Matt, good luck. Thanks for being with us. And uh, we'll have you on again. Talk about some birds erupting from the north. Yeah, some finches, definitely. Thanks a lot, Ray. Our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The holidays are coming, and so is the cold weather. You're busy, but don't forget about the birds. They need the best food they can get, and Audubon Park Wild Bird Food provides the nutrition birds need to survive and thrive. Make time to feed your backyard birds this month with every bird's favorite food from Audubon Park, a family-owned business that appreciates yours. And be sure to check them out on Facebook for great bird food giveaways. Audubon Park Wild Bird Food, proudly made in the USA. Hi, it's Ray with your invitation to join us in the Galapagos Islands with Sunrise Birding. I'll be your host, joined by expert local guides who'll show us giant Galapagos tortoises and marine iguanas and incredible birds, including Darwin's famous finches. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. And there are now just two cabins still available. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Our mystery bird contest, you're eligible if you haven't won within six months here on Talking Birds. We're going to zip right through this one. 781-837-4900 is the number. Our prize is the new Droll Yankees Cute Feeder, the cutest little chickadee feeder for any, time of fo- any kind of food. It features a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage, too. 781-837-4900 is the number to call on our mystery bird contest. Here's our bird. Don't look for this bird at your feeder, by the way. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized member of the gull family. It has a medium gray back, white head and underparts, black wingtips, and black legs. Unlike its red-legged cousin, it's often seen from land off both the east and west coasts of the U.S. in winter. Our bird flocks or feeds in flocks at the water's surface, sometimes making shallow dives for fish and invertebrates. Tell us what it is and you'll win or take a guess and you might win anyway. A drawing will determine our winner if no correct answer is received. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. If you've never tried the coffee we here at Talkin' Birds drink and recommend Birds and Beans, here's a holiday season offer you shouldn't refuse. You get a dozen 12-ounce bags of the delicious bird-friendly coffee recommended by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and it includes two bags of wood thrush breakfast roast, two American Red Start light roast, three scarlet tanager French roast, three chestnut-sided warbler medium roast, and two Baltimore Oriole French roast decaf, all ground and ready to brew, or whole bean if you prefer. Regular cost $158.70, now just $120, a savings of 25% on birds and beans, certified shade-grown USDA organic and fair trade coffee. It's a great deal. It's great coffee, and you'll be doing your part to help save the tropical forests on which so many of our birds depend. Please don't miss out on this limited-time offer. Go to birdsandbeans.com right now to place your order. That's birdsandbeans.com. Hey, let's play the uh, music for for our Let's Ask Mike segment of our program here. Can we play that music? Let's let's play that. I'll play that music right here. Maybe we won't play. There it is. I knew we were going to play the music because Mike, you know how he is, will not come on the show without the music. Good morning, Mike. It's all about the music, man. If I don't hear it, I don't I don't perform. It's about you and the music. 
and the Blue Jays, right? Blue Jays, not yeah, the Toronto the Blue, Blue, Blue Jays, Jays. baby. Yeah, you know, in the summer I get a lot of customers, and I don't, I can't, you know, it's one of those good and bad things. They say, "Where are all the Blue Jays? Where are all the Blue Jays?" I said, "Well, just sit tight, because in the summertime the Blue Jays." kind of taking care of their babies, and they're quiet. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. But after the summer, they flock up, and they become a little bit, or they become what most birds are molting and keep chilling and, and keeping a low profile. This is when the blue jays seem to come to town all of a sudden like shriners. They just blow in. They make all kinds of noise. They're yappy. And it, what they're doing is storing food for the coming winter. It's a lot of birds catch food, and the blue jays seem to do it the most. That's why people that are saying, we're the blue jays in the summer, and the fall they're going, what am I going to do with all the blue jays? Because they hit the feeder, and they don't take two or three seeds. They can take as many as 100 and stuff them in their throat. They don't have a true crop, but they have an expandable throat pouch, and they stuff seeds in there, and then they go hide them, hide them different places. Casey and I were birding uh, last year at the Howard's Conservation Area, and we saw a blue jay gather food and fly up to a branch and stuff it in there and kind of put some bark over it to hide it, which was really clever. But right behind them was a white-breasted nuthatch, flew over, flipped the bark <laughs> off, grabbed the food, and was wow. off with it. Wow. So it was, it was kind of funny. Yeah, they, they, they know the blue jays can find the food, and, they, mm-hmm. and then they follow them. And they, so people complain the blue jays steal the food from the little birds. Well, guess what? Guess what? They're getting stolen from, too. Yeah, that's right. All so right. They, that's what they're doing now. They're very aggressive, a little noisy, and it's, they're grabbing food. I mean, it's just not feeder food. It's acorns and other kinds of nuts that they hide. Sometimes it's in the ground. And then, you know, they, they say they help re- replant the forest after the Ice Age because they, hi- they hide all these acorns and beech nuts. And stuff wow. Like that. So we shouldn't be hating on them the way Not at all. And they're beautiful. <laughs> they're just, and they're fun. All right, Mike. Thanks for the for the uh, for the Blue Jay info. And Mike, yeah. will you hear who our first caller is on the Mystery Bird contest? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, <laughs> Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, the legendary place, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We're back at the Mystery Bird contest, and uh, let's see. We're trying to identify. Uh, we're not trying to identify that music. We're trying to identify this bird right here. Yes. Medium-sized member of the gull family. A medium gray back, white head and underparts, black wing tips and black legs. Unlike its red-legged cousin, it's often seen from land off both the east and west coasts of the U.S. in winter. Our bird feeds in flocks at the water's surface, sometimes making shallow dives for fish and invertebrates. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And guess who's on the line? It's Jay in Randolph, Massachusetts. Good morning, hey, Jay. Ray, how's it going? Oh, doing well. Did you call in because you heard us talking about Jays? Or? Oh, yeah, that <laughs> perks my attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for calling in, Jay. And uh, what do you say, our mystery bird? And by the way, in case you get the right answer, Tim, do we uh, is our studio audience ready to uh, applaud uh, in case Jay gets the right answer here? Um, not ready yet. So, um, so how are things oh. in Randolph, uh, Jay? Uh, what was that, Ray? Uh, how were things in uh, Randolph? Is, uh, it was good, a little cloudy today, yeah. but uh, hey, without the snow, that's fine with me. Yeah, I know. Little oh. clouds. <laughs> snow, I'd kind of forgotten about about that possibility. I guess it could happen any time. Uh, All right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say, uh, Jay, on our mystery bird contest there? I'll say it's a black-legged uh, kitty wake. There's that studio audience agreeing oh. with you. Yeah. Oh, that's a- Black-legged... Kitty Wake. 
When I used to live on Cape Cod, and we used to see black-legged kittiwakes quite often, but I haven't seen one in uh, quite a long time. There probably aren't too many around Randolph either, for that matter. No, I haven't seen one lately, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you're not far from the uh, Blue Hills Trailside Museum there, which is an amazing place for birds and lots of other things. Oh, it is. It is. Been there a few times and just walking the trails, and you can. You never know what you're going to see. Yeah, including so. some rattlesnakes, right? Um, I haven't had that fortunate opportunity <laughs> yet. But, uh... Okay. <laughs> well, good luck. All right. All right. Thank you, Jay. Stay on the line. We'll get your address and send you that Droll Yankees feeder. Great. Thanks again. Thank Great you. show. Thanks Thank so you. much. All right. Jay in Randolph, Massachusetts, correctly identifying the black-legged kittiwake as our mystery bird. Are we out of time, Tim? I think uh, you're kind of indicating that we're getting pretty close there. Just a quick reminder again, well, we'd love to recruit you as a Talking Birds ambassador. We have so many folks, I think, in 11 states now who have volunteered to do that. And if you volunteer, we'll send you some cards and you hand them out to your friends. It's kind of pretty much that, and that's, that's how it works. So uh, if you go to our website, TalkingBirds.com, TalkingBirds.com, no G in talking, and just click on the contact button, you'll see... How to do it, it's pretty easy. Executive producer of Talking Birds, Mark Duffield. Our associate producer, Debbie Bleacher. Our crack producing engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. Don't forget to vote and see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com by L.L. Bean inspiring you to get outdoors LLBean.com by Celestron offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels Celestron.com by Birds and Beans shade-grown bird-friendly coffee BirdsAndBeans.com and by Chimani visiting a national park let Chimani guide you Chimani.com